0: Mr. Sean Witt with our first message for the day. The weaker vessel, the woman who fears the Lord. Thank you, Matt. I don't know about all that, but it uh, <laughs> sounds good. Good afternoon, everyone. This beautiful rainy day. It's pretty nice. We've been eating this. It's really good to have. Well, Satan was busy this morning, I'll tell you, on our way here, uh, tried to get my message printed out, and of course I should check these things ahead of time, but our printer was out of ink, so I got about half of it printed. Luckily I was able to come here, and Brian and uh, Rick printed the rest out for me, so I won't give just a half of uh, Split Sermon today. And then uh, as we're getting in the van, Samuel has these little bracelets he likes to make, and they'll have these little rubber bands and he didn't have the lid closed quite all the way, and I was like, you might want to close that first. And of course he had his umbrella open getting into the van. Uh, I was supposed to do that when you're outside. We're inside the garage, didn't really need it. But, you know, it's kind of hard to explain these things when he thinks it has to be that way. But anyway, they scattered all over the driveway, and so we had to clean up every single one because they had to be done right then. <laughs> so kind of crazy, but we made it, so here we are. And... Uh, You know, Satan tries, but he he doesn't win. So anyway, let's get to the message. Uh, Let's first of all just turn to the scripture about the uh, weaker vessel. We're going to turn to Proverbs 31, verse 10 through 31. I'm going to go ahead and just read this. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does not. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like a merchant's ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household, and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the staff, and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor, Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed of scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates, and he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She supplies sasage, sasages, excuse me, sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is a law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. As Proverbs 31 shows, our wives and women in our life are amazing and capable and a lot stronger than we sometimes give them credit for. But as for us men and children in the lives, what can we do to help their pursuit in being a virtuous woman? What can we do to help put undue stress on them? A few years ago, I came across an interesting article on the internet. And it was kind of interesting because what I first saw was a picture. And it was a picture of a Lamborghini Galato. And I noticed that it was sitting on a table. And if Brian wants to go ahead and bring that up, he can bring it up now. But here we go, it's a Lamborghini Galato, a very expensive exotic sports car. And of all places, it's sitting on a dining room table. You know, I'm not really much into exotic cars anymore, I'm more into minivans. Um, <laughs> as uh, Matt and Trevor know, and all, uh, Matt Andrews and Matt Steele, we have these uh, Honda Odysseys. I'm thinking we should start a club, you know, because they're, they're pretty cool. Uh, Ken, I'm sorry, but you can't be a part of the club. <laughs> You have a Honda pilot. We'll talk, we'll see. <laughs> and anyway, going back to this uh, exotic car, it's sitting on a dining room table. And if Brian wants to go ahead and hit the next one, it, it's showing it on this table of this, all this fine china and you know beautiful cups. But as you look closer on the next slide, it's actually resting on a teacup. And um, you know this is a, you would think this is a fragile little teacup here, but uh, what it was is it's a clever campaign by the Canadian-based uh, William Ashley Fine China Company, and they wanted to show just how strong their china is. This is a 3,000-pound car sitting on this china, and it's taking all this pressure. Uh, the car is sitting up there, and it's not breaking the cup. the The cup can handle this um, weight. It's a beautiful cup, but yet it's delicate, but yet it's strong. And I thought that was interesting because it made me think of the virtuous woman, of how strong that she is as well. You know, the intended purpose of a teacup is not to have a Lamborghini on top of it, as we can tell. But it's strong enough and capable enough to hold it. You know, at the same time, our wives and women in our life, they are to be loved and cherished and honored and well taken care of. They're not to be weighed down by heavy things, though, and we need to think of things that we can do to avoid them having to be weighed down by heavy burdens. They're, able, they're strong enough and capable of this, but we still need to make sure that we're um, not putting undue pressure on them. He wants us to work together. God does. He wants us to work together as a team. So back to my question, what can we do to help avoid putting undue pressure um, stress on our virtuous women. My first point is, is we can pray for them. Turn with me now to 1 Peter 3.7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to the knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. One thing that Kim and I have noticed is when we pray, our day goes much better, especially when we pray together. When we pray together, the day goes so much more smoothly. Things work out really well. We're inviting God into our day, and we're planning it around his plan, His purpose. And it works out so much better when we're making sure that we pray and invite God into our day. When we do not pray, we notice a difference. We can see that the day doesn't go as well. There's chaos and there's more stress involved as well. And we need to be asking for God's guidance and protection as well in our lives every day. So, point number 1 is we need to pray and be actively praying together to help each other. Cuz we are a team. Point number 2 is we need to respect them. Turn with me now to Ephesians 5:25 through 33, please. Husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the word, by the water, by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his holy body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, working together as one. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, And let the wife see that she respects her husband. It'll be a lot easier for our wives to respect us if we're being respectful of them, showing them a true love that Christ has shown us. And before I get much further into this, I know that a lot, there's people in here that don't have wives and aren't married. Uh, But my point is we do have um, women in our lives. We have women in the church that are virtuous, and we need to be respecting them. Our sisters, you know, uh, daughters mothers, so it's not just about our wives, it's about all the women that are part of the church. Are we treating our wives and the women in our lives as we instructed to as a weaker vessel? Are we honoring them, or is it possible without even realizing it that we may be putting heavy burdens upon them? I came across a article on the internet I thought it was pretty interesting, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, read some passages passages from it. Um, it's by Lewis Rushmore, and the website is uh, thegospelgazette.com, and the first thing that he went, talked about was that, uh, the meaning of weaker, and what they've got here is also from uh, Vines Expository Dictionary. Uh, the word weaker literally means without strength, and is used in 1 Peter 3.7 for comparative purposes to the male counterpart. That is, men are usually not always physically stronger than women. Comparatively, women ordinarily are physically weaker than men. Uh, Weak, weakened, weak, weaker, uh, weakness, um, you know, in a comparative degree to Vines' Expository Dictionary. Uh, They're not weaker as far as intellectual or moral weakness, but purely for physical reasons, which the husband must recognize with due consideration. We need to be helping them, Um, not to put heavy burdens on them. The word vessel can mean a tool or a helper. This usage confirms to the purpose for which God created women. And the Lord God said, It is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And that's uh, in Genesis 2.18. Invariably, one of uh, progressive reduction and oppression in turning away from Christianity and staking all their hopes upon a newly won legal status, the great mass of womankind will eventually find that they have been woefully shortchanged and cheated. Jesus is the subject of the Godhead and respective roles incur. Man is subject to Christ and each enjoys distinctive roles. The woman is subject to man and in the home and in the church with a distinction in roles and responsibilities. Our rules that include subjection ought to be no more disagreeable than the subjection of Jesus Christ and his role to the Godhead. Among humans, though, there is a potential for abuse, and men are cautioned in that regard and urged to graciously treat the opposite sex. Both men and women have their respective roles, and everyone is subject to someone as a weaker vessel. And note uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, 4, verse 4, both husband and wife are vessels in God's hands. Of God's making to fulfill His gracious purposes. Both are weak, the woman the weaker, uh, sense of his own weakness, and that she, like himself, is God's vessel, ought lead him to act with tender and wise consideration toward her, saying we need to be um, considered of our wives. Men and women differ physiologically, but they are of equal worth, respecting salvation. And refers to Galatians uh, chapter three verses twenty-seven through twenty-nine. Nevertheless, God gave differing but completely—excuse me—God gave differing but complementary rules to women and men. Mindful of those differing rules, while the woman is subject—excuse me—while the woman is to be submitting to the man, the man is added responsibilities towards a woman. The God-authored physiological differences between the sexes also correspond to the respective roles that God assigned to each sex. The man generally enjoys greater strength, while the woman's supportive role is usually not quite as strong physically. So it's the saying that they're not as strong physically, basically, that um, we need not be putting heavy burdens on them, of things that they, uh, we don't want to be putting heavy burdens on them. Uh, We may not intend to do, Damage to relationships with our mates, but it is a fast-paced society, and it takes up a lot of our time. It can be flat-out wasted, or possibly just not managed well. There's nothing wrong with having a downtime as long as it's um, spent at the appropriate time after our duties have been done. A lot of us here have capable, strong wives. I know because I'm married to one. Women that exemplify the characteristics of the virtuous woman. Because we do have strong, virtuous women, that does not mean um, that we have the right to uh, put more duties on them that should be a part of our responsibilities. For point number three, help our virtuous women. It's a good idea for us to sit down, have a discussion about the division of labor um, in the household and a timeline to accomplish this. Some of these duties for us men, Um, are obvious, like work on the car and the garage, mow the lawn, things of that nature. I'm not saying that women can't do these things, because they can. They are capable. And um, speaking of the garage, ours was quite a big mess, and we were tripping over things, and I should have been better on top of keeping it done. And Kim finally said, you know what, I'm sick of it. I'm going in there. And she started moving some stuff around and getting it all cleaned. And together, we both worked, and we got a lot of it done. I moved around the big, heavy boxes, and... We got it organized and got all straightened out. So we worked together well to get it done, but it was something that I should have uh, been on ahead of time so that she didn't feel like she was just fed up and I have to go take care of this because you didn't do your part of the responsibility. So as far as the division of labor and such, it's something I should have been on top of. And it, it's good to work together on some of these projects that we know that we both can do, but it, like I said, it's something I should have had done already. You know, there's responsibilities within the house, though, that we can help out with. Um, There's times where maybe our wife has had a rough day, and we could vacuum the floor, or uh, work in the kitchen, make some dinner, or even take her out to dinner so she can have the night off. And it's important because our children see what we're doing, too, as the way we treat our mates. It's important for them to see um, how they should be handling treating uh, or women the way they should be treated. You know, the verse um, 28 of Proverbs 31 says, her children rise up and they call her blessed. Uh, They will call her blessed on her own merits, but I would suggest that uh, part of the reason um, why they call her blessed is the way they watch how their father treats their mother. And just as Christ um, treats his bride in the way with the church, we need to be treating our brides um, in an honorable way. Turn with me now to Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 3. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is a right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, that you may live long upon the earth. It's important that um, our children have a part in helping as well. Um, and show them the right example, like I was saying, make sure that they're helping mom do the things around the house to make it so there's not a lot of burdens laid upon her. Just everybody working together, doing their part, because we all have our division of roles and positions that we need to follow through with. Please also turn to uh, 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 4. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. This is our current society that we live in now. We are told to esteem others over ourself. The Bible instructs us that the end times, men will be lovers of themselves. And we can see the effects of this in our society are all around us. Selfishness, instant gratification, and you know, pleasing of the self. The roles of the mother and father are becoming blurred as well. So it's hard for people to see how they're supposed to act. Um, gay marriage is on the rise. There are few good role models anymore. And we're to come out of this world and we're to love our mates. Just as Christ loves the church, he has set the standard for us. The teacups in the photograph were able to withstand a great deal of pressure. It was a clever campaign to show just how strong their china is. But the intended purpose of the teacup is not to have a Lamborghini on top of it, even though it is strong enough and capable enough to hold it. It is meant for another purpose is to be cherished and admired for its beauty and, of course, to drink tea out of, which brings refreshment to the weary body. So, too, as our helpmates, our wives, can bring refreshment to our weary bodies physically, mentally, and emotionally and spiritually if we are loving them as Christ loves the church. I have heard it said that women are the crowning glory of, uh, of God's creation. So I did a Google search, and I looked that up to see what I could come up with. And I came across another article that had some pretty profound things to say, Uh, titled WeTouch.net, and um, this reading is based upon the beginnings of chapter 7 in the book of man and women relationships. Have you ever heard the phrase, save the best for last? Have you ever wondered where it came from? I think it came from the creation of Eve. Eve was the last of God's creations. She was created unique. She was created special, different from anything else in the world. Look at the record God has given. In Genesis 1:1, 1, 1, it says, "God created the heavens and the earth out of nothing." In Genesis 1:3, it says, "God created light out of nothing." In Genesis 1 verses 11 through 12, it says, "God created all plants from the earth and the soil." In Genesis 1. 14 through 18, it says God created the sun, the moon, from nothing. Genesis 1, 20 through 22, it says God created the birds of the sea, life from nothing. In Genesis 1, 24 through 25, God created all the land on the, excuse me, God created all life on land from the earth, the soil. Genesis 2, verse 7, God created Adam from the dust of the ground. So, So far, God's created everything from something. Whether it be the dust of the land or um, just from uh, the sea, everything had created from something else. Genesis 2, verses 18, God knew it was not good for Adam to be alone. So in Genesis 2, verses 21-25, God created Eve from a living creature, from Adam. Have you ever thought about that? Except for Eve, all of God's creations were created... By either his words or from the dirt of the world. Some translations say the sea. Life and the birds brought forth from the sea. Adam is created from the dust of the ground. God did this this personally as shown in Genesis 2 verse 7. And then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. Do you see it? The Lord God formed. It seems clear God personally physically made Adam. But Eve was special. Eve was made differently. She was created out of Adam. She was also created personally, physically, by God himself. Not, but, excuse me, but not from the dust of the ground. Not from the dirt of the world. Not from the seas. Not from the words of God alone. No, Eve was made in a way, nothing else, in all the heavens or the earth was made. She was made from the still, pure, and then created body of Adam. Eve was not made from dead soil or seawater or words alone. She was carefully created from life itself. God saved the best for last. He created Eve in a very special, personal way, handmade by God himself. She and all women after her are truly special, and women who does not know that, excuse me, any woman who does not know that, she is truly special in God's sight, needs to know it. Every woman is special. As for Adam, whenever he looked at Eve, whenever he touched his side, he should have remembered that God had done it for him, the great gift that God had given him. Eve was not a random collection of skin and bones, emotions, and fancies. She was a divinely designed, one-of-a-kind, living, breathing individual. Eve was state-of-the-art. The cutting edge, top of the line to come, and Eve was the crowning glory of God's creation. There comes a time in every person's life when he or he, excuse me, he or she has to decide if God means what he says as recorded in the Bible or if we can decide for ourselves what God really meant to say when he spoke. Can we believe what God, excuse me, can we believe what the Bible says or do we get to make up what it says? Or think that's probably what God meant as it seems right to us. If you have not yet come to that time in your life, you should now. So what do I mean when I say woman is the crowning glory of all creation? I mean exactly what God said, as recorded in the following verse. For a man is the image of the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. That's Corinthians 11, verse 7. Can you imagine that? Man is the image of the glory of God. That is, inc- that is incredible. How can man be the glory of God? But look at the closing phrase of the verse above. The woman is the glory of man. Incredible is the only word I can think of for what God says in that verse. Yet the point is made. Woman is the glory of man. Mankind as a whole is not the highest part of creation. Woman is. Woman is the crowning glory of all God's creation. Woman is the glory of glory of God. Case closed. We may not be able to understand everything in the words of this verse means, but if we we believe the Bible to be God's true word, we must believe women is the glory of the glory of God. Women, All women who are based of all creation. Excuse me. Women of all women are the best of all creation. If man would take the trouble to think about it and be honest with themselves, they would know that the above statement is true. So that's the end of that article. Going back to the example of the teacups, when you are sitting at a beautiful table to entertain guests, you bring out your finest china. You bring out the very best, the best to offer. It is a final touch to make the event memorable and to make your guests feel special. God graced mankind with the very best he had to offer in creation, and that is women they are a precious gift to men in their lives and just like the fine china they should make those or excuse me they should make those who they sit before feel extremely special they're not to be they are to be loved and cherished honored and taken well care of not to be weighed down by undue stress that can be avoided in conclusion Also taken from the Just Reference article, I just wanted to read a little bit more of that in the conclusion. Few or none of us are what we should be. That is certain. But praise God, all of us can begin to become what we should be. If we men will make a real effort to honor God by reflecting his holy image and glory, and if the women in our lives will take pleasure in being the most glorious part of their men's lives, our relationships will change. Not for the better, but for the best. Only God knows what could happen in our lives. Excuse me for references. Only God knows what can happen in our lives if we follow this. And if we do not put undue pressure on our wives to help them be the virtuous woman.